You're listening to a Corridor Business Journal podcast. This is Tom Selig. I'm a senior vice president of a bank. I used to be a lawyer. I like to make connections, and sometimes amazing things happen. That's what this podcast is about, when the magic happens. Today's guest is Josh Schomberger, who is the uh, president and CEO of Think Iowa City, also known as the CVB. Uh, Josh has been a leader in our community for many years and been uh, instrumental in uh, making this a special place to live. We, uh, we, we were fortunate enough to get on the UCI's radar, and UCI is uh, Union Cycliste International. When I go over there to accept the bid and we have our meetings about the upcoming season, they bring us up one by one on a stage and they talk about Paris, uh, France, and they talk about Kolkside, Belgium, and they talk about Denmark, Cop- Copenhagen, and then Iowa City, Iowa. <laughs> and then, yeah. I, I, what, what's going on, guys? Yeah. So stick around. We'll be right back. This episode of Tom's New Best Friend is brought to you by West Bank a community bank since 1893, providing full-service banking and trust services to businesses and consumers, nationally recognized by Raymond James as a top-performing community bank, prioritizing community, responsive to local needs. West Bank, member FDIC. My guest today is Josh Schomberger. He is uh, my new best friend, sort of, but he has my best friend. This is, in this case, there was a year he was my best friend. Of course, that's always moves along, but uh, he was on the list once, and he's still near, near the top. <laughs> near the top. Well, it's been 20 years, Tom, so I would hope that I have uh, survived a, maybe a couple, at least two. Oh, no. Give me two. Well, welcome, uh, Josh, from the, um, I guess we call it now Think Iowa City. I'm sort of older, as most people know, and... In the good old days, it was called the Convention and Visitors Bureau, which I still call it the CVB. But uh, quickly on that, what what's the background of Think Iowa City? How, how did you go with that name? Well, it's still the CVB. I mean, we, we still use the CVB and Iowa City Corval Area Convention and Visitors Bureau here kind of locally and internally. But we did uh, quite a bit of research, I would say, four or five years ago and just kind of tested our brand out to the markets in, in which we bring visitors in, you know, those markets that we serve and and more and more, you know, Iowa City was the lead, and people had had a familiarity with Iowa City. It's sort of general location uh, that responded a little bit more, uh, kind of favorably, just from a uh, a look in than than North Liberty or Johnson County. Whereas many people had no idea where either of those, whether or not they were even in Iowa. Sure. So, so externally and outside of Johnson County, we kind of lead with Think Iowa City. Yeah. Uh, but here in the community, we're still known as the CVB. Oh, good. Well, let's start maybe with your family. I'll tell you what I sort of know. Your wife's <laughs> name is Jess, and I think she works for Goodwill. Is that right? She still does, yeah. Rapids, right? Yeah. Uh, here, here. She, she works for Goodwill of, uh, of the Heartland, so okay. all over eastern Iowa and a little bit of western Illinois. And she's been there for a while, right? Uh, 18 years, I think. Yeah. yeah. I do know you celebrated your 20th year, I think, at the uh, Think Iowa City, uh, like this year. Just like a couple weeks ago. Yeah. I had a little, you were there yeah. graciously and... Uh, been here 20 years. It's hard to imagine. Now, when I was, um, I thought you had two young boys, but I guess they got old. They did. Right? I you have, have a, a, you have a sophomore, teenager? sophomore who's, uh, can drive now at uh, West. And uh, my youngest is just about to go to uh, Northwest Junior High. He's currently at Wickham Elementary. He's a sixth grader. Now, I know you're a wrestling fan. Are they wrestlers? 
my youngest wrestled a little bit and then uh, he kind of got into soccer because all of his buddies played soccer, you know, and at that age he wants to hang out with his friends and yeah. he still uh, rolls around a few times with Luke Eustace or somebody, but <laughs> maybe he'll come back to it. If not, that's fine too, but uh, I do enjoy wrestling quite a bit. Oh, good. Well, before I talk about it, let's talk about your staff. I know one of your secrets, you've got, you've built this team and all these people and I'll ask you, but you might mention so who they are and what, what the success of your organization is really everybody. Yeah, yeah. The, the key to uh, all the success and accolades that uh, people uh, have told me I've had have, are really the team. So it, that starts first and foremost with Nick Kading, uh, who's been my longtime senior vice president of uh, finance and administration. Nick got his degree here at Iowa, accounting degree, and, and um, has been with me for at least the last 15 years. Uh, and then I've got some other really key people. Uh, Nick Pfeiffer uh, was the longtime director of marketing communications at Midwest One Bank. And I was able to recruit him over when when Lori Hammond uh, left our organization after 19 years to go be the brand new community relations director for uh, Clear Creek Amanda School District. Uh, so Nick, Nick runs all our marketing and communications efforts. Uh, Monica Nieves is our vice president of special events. Does a tremendous amount of work there. Everything from Fry Fest we created to recently the Grand Gable, uh, a lot of other uh, special events that we support. Uh, and then we've got a, several other people on our team. Laura Jaime does our convention services. Stacy Hausman is uh, our special projects coordinator. Helps me a lot uh, on on various initiatives. Um, Monica Mims and Luke Eustace uh, both head up our sports development efforts uh, of which we're growing and growing now with the new arena uh, the wellness center some things happening in north liberty uh, so tremendous team yeah no it's, it's it's a great staff well back on your personal level i tried to remember some of the things you've uh, been rec recognized for i know you were the person of the decade that was a long time ago uh, it, was a, it was a decade ago decade <laughs> ago that's time does fly that's that was a great honor but that's been been 10 years right yeah well i would join your club your person of the year right? well no i'm not not that decade of the year i'll tell you that <laughs> then 40 under 40 and uh it goes on all all, all these various uh, recognition most influential list for forever and uh you know yeah uh, it's uh, it's amazing what you've done and, and uh, i think of some of the things you've done i don't know uh, what the most famous things are the one i always think of is there's Herky on parade which I thought at the time that was a dumb idea, and of course, then you know it sort of worked out <laughs> pretty well. And uh, what, what year was was it? You've done it twice. You, have you done it twice? We've now? done it twice. The first time, we, actually, the very first event of that that I did was when I was at the bureau in Cedar Rapids. Before I even came to uh, Iowa City in Coralville, I worked for the Cedar Rapids Area Convention and Visitors Bureau for four years. And in two thousand and one, we uh, kicked off overalls all over an American Gothic happening. And we did, uh, the American Gothic couple and about 30 or 40 statues. And then when I got down here in two, late 2001, uh, a couple years later, Rick Klatt, who was the senior associate, uh, for, uh, communications in the athletic department called me and said they wanted to do something special to celebrate the anniversary of Kinnick. And maybe we should think about trying to do something like that with Herky. So in 2004, we did Herky arm parade I swore I would never, ever do that again in my life because it's just so much work. Uh, and then we did it again in 2014. So after that, I swore I would never do it again. And we're quickly approaching 2024. 
<laughs> and everybody is expecting Herkiarum Parade 3.0. Uh, you know, you can just look out this window here at the Corridor Business Journal offices, and Jeff Disterhoff has his Herky from 2014 front and center there um, in front of their operation. So I remember when you pretty first, popular. It first came out, and I, I volunteered to help install those. Yep. I, I didn't realize it was going to be at midnight or one o'clock in the morning, and it was it was. I thought this is this is bizarre. Who would do this? Well, people were doing it, you know. And then yeah. and then you sold them, right? And you made money and you gave it away. We sold them. We made money. I think we made one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. And first time we gave it to the uh, Cultural Alliance and some other charities. The second time we gave it to United Way of Johnson Washington Counties for a kind of a summer uh, scholarship program for kids in the community that didn't have, uh, you know needed some money to go to summer camps, whether it's educational sports and sent a lot of kids to camp over the next several years. Yeah. Well, I don't know whether there's obviously Ragbri has been a big thing you've done Ragbri, for Corville yeah. and Iowa city, both that's major efforts. I know. And then I know you enjoy biking and uh, through that, then also down the, the grand Gable, Fry Fest, you upgrade Fry Fest. When, when did that start? I can't, can't remember anymore. This will be the 12th year of Fry Fest. Wow. So uh, we had to cancel last year, unfortunately, for obvious reasons. But, um, yeah, that's pretty special. I was just actually thought of Fry Fest this morning because I somebody told me my voicemail was full on my phone. And so I had to clear out all my voicemails. And I to this day, I cannot clear out the, the last voicemail I got from Coach Fry. Yeah. Uh, he would call me every year. And I still have – he's the only – voicemail on my phone right now uh calling me and uh just tell me again as he did every year just how much he loves fry fest and mm-hmm. how thankful he was that we created that for him and that uh we created the hayden fry way and the statue and a lot of people love obviously that event to kick off the season i'll play it for you but uh, it's it's funny the front end he got really confused because i had recently changed my voicemail and it's dan gable who's obviously a, I'm a big Dan Gable fan. And I was out at Dan Gable's house, and uh, this has been many years ago, and Dan and I were just shooting the breeze. And I said, Dan, I want you to, like, record my voicemail and say something like, if I don't respond soon, that you're going to beat me worse than that Russian. And so he did. But the problem is when somebody like Coach Fry calls and he hears Dan Gable, he's immediately thrown off. So on the front end, you'll say that he's leaving a message for me, even though he just called me. So he knows he's leaving a message for me. <laughs> Let me get this thing going here. I'm trying to reach Josh. This is coach Hayden Fry. And, uh, he has my number. I, I want him to give me a call when he gets breaking his schedule. So I can thank him for everything during Fry Fest. Thank you. That's classic Hayden Fry, you know? It is. Nice and, guy, sincere, you know? Yeah, I get emotional every time I, I listen to that just because he's he would always send me a card, too, those first couple of Fry Fests, and I was like, hey, you don't need to be sending me a card. And, you do. and it always <laughs> include a $100 bill, like a brand-new $100 bill, and he would always write in the card, and I still have them. He'd write, thank you again, Josh. Fry Fest means a lot, something the world to me. Mm-hmm. Use the enclosed money to buy yourself a couple soda pops. <laughs> But, you know, we're his turn for a couple beers. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I can't delete that voicemail. That'll yeah. be on there forever. And, and um, I do laugh, though, because he was totally confused by probably Dan Gable uh, leaving my, my message. Hey, this is Dan Gable. No, really it is. You've reached Josh's phone, and he must be busy at the moment trying to help advance wrestling or maybe tourism in Iowa City, Coralville. 
anyway, he will call you back and soon too, or I'll beat him worse than that Russian. That's, that's a classic. <laughs> and I totally, when I first I heard Hayden, I go, oh my God, Dan Gable threw him off his game. <laughs> He knows he's calling Josh. He just called well, no, my number. I can, I, I can relate to that. Uh, and he's about 85 years old. No, right? totally. Yeah. And I would be the same way, but yeah. it's too funny. And both those guys are titans. Now, the one thing I remember, I think it was the hokey pokey. Is that right? You said, is that, that's it? It's world still, record? Is yeah, that right? It still, it still holds to this day. The greatest number of people uh, performing the hokey pokey in the world. <laughs> And uh, somebody brought brought that idea to me. I think it was Paula Bakey and Lynn Snyder, who are fantastic people from mm -hmm. Coralville uh, volunteers. And I said, heck, let's give that a try. So we flew out Guinness. Uh, I think maybe it cost us five or $6,000 all in to try and pull that off. And right there on the spot, uh, we had to do it for five consecutive minutes. And we had just short of 8,000 people doing it for five consecutive minutes. <laughs> and then we... They adjudicated it or whatever they do and awarded us it on the spot. And we gave it to Coach Fry. And I remember him getting on the stage saying, uh, we want another one. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great idea. And still, it's like you said, it's a, it's a memory forever. It's, it's recorded, it right? It's recorded. There's great photos. And, you know, I, I think if somebody ever breaks that, uh, which certainly is possible, then I've already talked to uh, the folks at the athletic department and, we will just do it at halftime during a football game, and we will have 60,000 people doing the hokey pokey. we got a backup plan for the hokey pokey. That's great. Now, I am got a little lost in the whole issue of jingle cross, the cycle cross, yeah. and you went to Europe and that whole thing, which I don't quite understand, but give us the background of that whole situation. Yeah, so that's unfortunately one of the – worst things about my job is that I do have to go to Europe once a year, um, uh, sometimes twice a year, depending on the event. But we, uh, we, we were fortunate enough to get on the UCI's radar and UCI is uh, union cycliste international, which is the governing body for the sport of cycling across the globe. And mm -hmm. we, uh, we put ourselves in a position thanks to a lot of volunteers, uh, and a, and a former doctor here at the university of Iowa named Dr. John Meehan to get on the radar and, and this will be the fifth year that we have hosted uh, a, a World Cup event. There are only eight or nine cities in the entire world that host that particular cyclocross circuit event, which is the, the most elite of elite for men and women. And we are in the company of a lot of other countries. So it's interesting when I go over there to accept the bid and we have our meetings about the upcoming season, they bring us up one by one on a stage and they talk about Paris, uh, France and they talk about Kolkside, Belgium and they talk about Denmark, Cop Copenhagen, and then Iowa city, Iowa. <laughs> and then yeah. I, I, what, what's going on guys. Yeah. So it's usually us. And most recently, um, uh, Waterloo, Wisconsin, the home of Trek cycling has joined us. And this year there's a third city and that's uh, Fayetteville and Bentonville down in Arkansas, which is the home of, uh, the Walmart empire. And sure. They, um, they are going to be the third World Cup in the United States. So it's a tremendous event, and, and people underestimate it. It is broadcast live to Europe, and the viewership from the television ratings are anywhere between 8 and 10 million people watch it live from Johnson County, Iowa City, Iowa. <laughs> of course, all this, I and mean, the purpose of this is to drive people to come here, stay in hotels, right, restaurants, spend me money 
look, you know, in our community, right? Yeah. That's what you do, right? Yeah. At our job, at our core heads and beds, you know, bring people to this community, have them spend a lot of money in the community, support local businesses, and then head home and talk about how great of a community we have. And, and certainly there's, you know, other areas, uh, from a marketing standpoint, we want to be, uh, you know, well thought of as a community in Iowa, very opening, inclusive. Um, and so, those sort of things, when you look over across Europe and they start to know Iowa, uh, they know it from this event, and uh, they know that, that we love our cycling here in Iowa. Yeah, that's great. Now, I tried to do a little research here in preparing for this, and I was trying to figure out where you grew up. Now, one thing I read, you grew up in Cuba, Puerto Rico, Florida, and San Diego. I was worried of San Diego, but obviously your family, your father was involved with the military, is that right? Yeah, I was. I grew up a Navy brat. So Navy I, brat. I, I never really stayed anywhere for longer than three or four years except for San Diego. Uh, my dad, we were in San Diego. My dad got accepted to be a Blue Angel, and so we moved to Pensacola, Florida for two years when he was a Blue Angel. Wow. And then when you're done with your tour of duty as an officer in a Blue Angel, you can pretty much pick where you want to go, and so he picked going back to San Diego, so... That's where I graduated and went to school. and But I grew up in Cuba and Puerto Rico, which was fascinating and <laughs> totally awesome and uh, developed a strong, strong love for uh, the Spanish culture and music and food. And to this day, I cherish it. Yeah, that's a great, great story. Well, let's talk about this past year a little bit. I know we had the, you know, the hotel business, as I said, was pretty good back in 2019 and we're rolling along and then pandemic hits and had to impact Look, hotels which affects your, your your revenues and mm-hmm. how you adjusted that. And also related to that, when we talk about that, talk a little bit about Project Better Together, the role you've taken in providing leadership and bringing the community together. So, give us that last year's experience. Yeah, I mean, we we had uh, we were no different than anybody else, and it's been absolutely detrimental to the hotel community. We still do not have conferences and meetings, and that sort of business still has not returned. And and it's not, I don't think, any close to returning. I mean, some of the amateur sports traffic and leisure is starting to come back. But it has been a, a big-time hit. And uh, as, as you mentioned, you know, we our organization, much like many across the country, all across the country, the, the 32 or 34 in Iowa, are largely supported by lodging tax collections. So if you stay in a hotel, you pay an additional tax that goes to organizations like ours to basically promote and market and bring visitors to this community. And so... We have taken a major hit early on in uh, March when this thing was starting to take shape and we were starting to see the impact of, of uh, COVID on our community. I got with my peers, Kim and Kate, uh, at the at ICAD and the business partnership and Nancy Bird downtown, who's a, a big-time mentor of mine and a friend. And we pulled together what's known as Project Better Together, uh, which was simply put just an early initiative to streamline and expedite information and communication that was coming down from a state and federal level. You know, what were the um, programs looking like uh, to support and uh, and provide help in, in these things? And that has carried on to a weekly Friday call. Uh, we have a lot of great community members that are part of that, I believe just short of 30. And, you know, it's been nothing but trying to respond to the needs of the community over the past 18 months. And so, there's a lot of things that I've been able to add to my resume and experience that I would have never thought I would have known anything about uh, in the social service community, um, in all sorts of areas, uh, emergency management, uh, communication, things like that. So 
it has uh, it has been tough, but there's been a lot of great relationships, and I think those are already paying dividends as we start to reopen uh, here this summer and fall. The relationships that have been forged through those uh, those tough times. Yeah, that project group has been, I think, sort of known for helping the sort of the lower income, being sensitive to those needs and providing leadership. It's been uh, interesting to see that happen. And the uh, obviously within last year we had the problems with the the George Floyd situation. 100%. We had then the uh, the protests, the people got pretty emotional at times. And I think your group sort of kept things, you know, the communication was the key. Communication was the key. And yeah, I mean, the George Floyd murder certainly uh, slowed down a lot of the, the COVID recovery. And we looked at all the other areas that we can assist in terms of, uh, you know, uh, equality and those things that raised their head yet again and, and continue to need to be addressed to this day. So uh, we're playing uh, the roles that the community need us to play at the time, and, and I hope that that continues forward. We've had tremendous participation in leadership from, uh, you know, all of the hospital CEOs, Suresh in particular um, uh, at UIHC has been huge resource on that group. Uh, so have people like uh, Roy Sand Porter and, and Jeff and Kelly and Ryan, the cities, um, you know, I could go on and on. Yeah. Also, I forgot to mention you were active in United Way. I know mean, you're on the board and and you're very supportive of that whole organization. Are you still involved there? Are you yeah, I'm not on the board, but I, I did serve as a past campaign chair. Um, there's been a, you know when you've been here 20 years, you've played about every role. I've, uh, whether it's the airport commissioner and and um, at the Eastern Iowa Airport or right. or um, or United Way of Johnson County, I'm I'm still obviously a huge supporter, and that's one of the best things that's come from Project Better Together is is you know, opening our eyes that much further into some of the, the needs uh, of our community, whether it be the shelter house or, or DVIP uh, or, or the, any of the United Way agencies. Um, uh, it's, been, it's been rewarding, even though it's been pretty tough. I know you've been involved with the Corville Arena thing, but also the downtown district. That was, mm-hmm. I, I know you always supported that concept and were one of the people that sort of encouraged the downtown to consider that. And then... Nancy Bird got recruited. I think you may be yep. involved with that. That tell us that story of the downtown district. Uh, it's is that five or ten years old? That's time. It's about ten years old 10 now. Years old. But you know, for the longest time, it was uh, basically just a sort of small marketing, uh, you know, retail initiative to try and just combine some resources and get a larger voice. And then Karen Cubby and Mark Moen are probably to credit more than anyone else. And and uh, I was certainly on that committee that got the SMID passed, uh, the self-supported municipal improvement district, uh, which created the Iowa city downtown district. And, and then, uh, David Keft and some others, uh, from the university and I were fortunate enough to be on the uh, committee that hired Nancy bird, uh, who has obviously, uh, is just a force, um, uh, to come in and, and create what she's done. I mean, the downtown district is, is, uh, uh a, a lot of her sweat and, and hard work there that that's made that what it is today. And I couldn't be more proud just to be associated with it. No, it's a real success story. At the time there were some people who were not excited, higher taxes, you know, you Correct. know we all Correct. that, but I think everybody has adjusted and appreciate it's it being around for sure. And I think it's, and right now there's some momentum to do it again and to repeat it over in the South district, uh, in the Pepperwood Plaza area and Angie Jordan and her team over there, that's leading that. Uh, you know, I think it could be an encore to what the downtown district did and, and how that's kind of rallied that particular neighborhood uh, to what can happen in South District. And we're going to be doing everything we can alongside Nancy and others uh, to get that South District's mid up and running. Well, that'd be great for that part of town. 
Well, let's talk about the arena a little bit. I know it's been a long-term project, sort of a dream, and here we are. It's uh, it's open, and uh, things are happening, and uh, and I guess in the fall, Toby Keith is coming. About my all my friends are excited about that. Yeah, besides I, wrestling is up. Correct, and I don't know. Uh, a lot about country music, but I do understand that Toby Keith is a big deal. That's <laughs> like me. That's right. <laughs> Just based on ticket sales and things yep. like that. So yeah, the arena has been, oh man, there's nothing that's kept me more awake at night over the last five years. And particularly this past year when we have to open it during COVID and, and uh, you know, you throw a pandemic into the, into the, the operations plan. So, uh, but it is open and they've done a tr- tremendous job of uh, sort of mitigating some of the, the tough times that we've had since la- opening it last September and, and doing a good job. The, uh, the, the green state family field house that's next to extreme arena has done a tremendous job, uh, programming and keeping things, uh, rolling there. So, you know, that's, uh, that goes back to Coralville's original vision and, and somebody like Kelly Hayworth, who's, who's been around for 30, 35 years and, and what he saw and the council and the leadership over the years, uh, when we started, when I first got here, uh, four or five years after I got here, we started with the Corville Marriott, and we got that open in the Iowa River Landing, and that was the first major anchor of that 185 acres. And here we are um, in 2021, and uh, we're we're starting to celebrate the, the 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 things that came with the development of Extreme Arena, and that entire district has turned into an attractor in and of itself. Meaning, you know, people are coming to this community to come check out the Iowa River Landing, to eat dinner, to have a couple drinks. Uh, to go to an event, and that's what it was intended to do, that sort of entertainment-based attractor, and it's it's done remarkably well. Well, it's a great story. I know with 30 Hoppers there, of course, and there's uh, uh, the pizza place, and there's the other place, yeah. and then there's Marquee uh, and Tribute. Tribute, and, tribute, and then the rumor is they're going to open a restaurant in, in the arena. They are. So they're, that's uh, They're going to be starting with that, and we've got our uh, our major hockey announcement this Thursday which is going to be a very very big deal. Uh, I've gotten obviously inside information on the team name and the logo and the jerseys and I think everyone's going to be really blown away when they uh, find out the details of this uh, the CCHL. Well, 36 franchise. home dates, right? 36 home games and you're going to see signed NHL players. I mean yeah. this is uh the folks that are playing in this league have already been recruited by an NHL franchise. So they're just, it's going to be like the Cedar Rapids Colonels. You know, they're just waiting to get called up. Right. So it's a tremendous league, tremendous action, and, and uh, right here in town for, for the family to enjoy. And tickets are for sale. Tickets will go on sale. I believe uh, they're going on sale that afternoon or the next day after they announce everything on yeah. the 20th. Well, great. Uh, we have to talk about the Green State uh, Fieldhouse. I think one of the keys there is this guy named Dixon Jensen from Ames. Yeah. His AU theme might tell you briefly about his basketball and volleyball and boys and girls and brings lots of visitors, right? Yeah. he uh, Dixon Jensen is well known for uh, being the owner of, I mean, a lot of business uh, businesses in, in the middle part of the state and really surrounding Iowa. He's also one of the most passionate Iowa State Cyclone boosters. So that's been a little <laughs> challenging at times, but he's he's a great guy and done a lot of work. And, you know, he created this, this club called All Iowa Attack, which is well known across the entire country. I was just looking on, on uh, some information this morning and he took four or five teams down to Phoenix, and they won most of the tournaments. So he's one of only like 30 or 31 uh, sanctioned Nike uh, you know, high school programs in the country. Uh, all of the best stars that you see, particularly in Iowa women's basketball, have, have been through there. Uh, Caitlin Clark was 
a major All-Iowa Tech player, uh, Hannah Stulke, who's currently uh, in his program, is coming to Iowa next year. She's a Cedar Rapids Wash uh, student. Uh, but he has tremendous, tremendous success, reputation for basically delivering D1 athletes, uh, both uh, men and women. Peter Jock went through his program. Mm-hmm. He has he has a long history there. So we couldn't be more excited to be partners with him. He, we, we're considered all Iowa Tech East, and Ames is all Iowa Tech West. Just a week and a half ago, he uh, he had a basketball tournament here and had 100 teams. Hundred basketball teams. I think about that. You have the, of course, you have the players. Of course, and the parents may want to come, and they may have other children too. So it's. Uh, we set up three courts in the Marriott. He had the five courts in there, and he wants to do it again in July. And we're going to add three more courts. Uh, so, he uh, when we before we opened the arena, he uh, signed a contract and he booked uh, half the year. He's going to bring twenty six <laughs> weekend tournaments a year, and he's already on pace to kind of surpass that. So. Uh, every one of those teams, you know, uh, staying in a hotel, yeah. eating in restaurants, filling up with their gas, running to hy V or Trader Joe's or Fairway to get something they need. Yeah. It's a lot of money being poured into the economy. It's a great story. Now, I've got to ask you, there's, I know at the, on the Fieldhouse Courts, I've been down there, there's this sort of a bird's eye thing up, set up a, yeah. a, above in the surge that's involving college recruiting or something or some NCAA rules, is that the story? Yeah, I, I, early on I met with Fran and Lisa and Jan uh, when we were just really designing the building and kind of showing blueprints and things. And, and that crew, as well as some of the other coaches, said, hey, when you're building the space, if there's anywhere that you can think of separating us from parents, that'd be great because we, we don't want to get into an NCAA rules violation and we're not allowed to come down there and watch games and recruit if we're around the parents. So we decided to put in that – we call it the – I called it for the longest time, uh, Lisa and Jan's perch. Uh, and Jan Jensen to this day loves that and calls it kind of the Hawkeye perch, but she knows that we built that for them so they can get up there and not interact with their parents. And she doesn't have to get on a plane to go recruit. She can just recruit right here in, uh, in Coralville. We, of course we have great players in the state of Iowa. If the history that's been no question, remarkable, no question. It's, a. Uh, it's been received very, very well. I believe the field house since the day we opened, which was September 1st last year, it has had uh, at least three to five of the courts full every night of the uh, since we've opened the doors. And every weekend there's a tournament. And I, my memory is in the mornings you can go play pickleball. Pickleball. Is that right? I mean, it's still ordinary people day. can do that, right? Yeah, there's like 270 or 280 local members of the Johnson County Pickleball Association. Yeah. And so they show up there from eight to noon and they play competitive pickleball. There's 15 pickleball courts in there. And so they control <laughs> the space really in the mornings. Yeah. And then in the afternoons, it's any number of three or four volleyball clubs, wrestling clubs. We've even had an indoor soccer there club with the university, obviously basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, um, there's just a lot of activity there. A lot That's of demand great. for that space. That's great. We should try to wrap this up a little bit. Let's go back to the pandemic. Things are getting better, and they, that the future looks bright. It looks like we may have Iowa football, and we, we may have fans in the stands. And, yeah, it just it's you can feel the, the momentum on that, on that part of it, too. No, I agree. I mean, we're, uh, we're ready to reopen. We know we can do events right now safely. We've been having events. We've hosted just about everything there is to host wrestling uh, during this pandemic. And yeah. we've done a really good job of creating bubbles and actually COVID testing two or two times a day in some cases, uh, on site. And 
So uh, we've been able to have a little bit of business, but we're, but we're ready to have, have a lot more. So everybody, please continue to go out and get your vaccine. We're doing a great job here in Johnson County, as you would expect um, Johnson County to uh, respond to a vaccine call. And so we just need to keep it going. Yep, that's great. Well, thanks. Well, my guest today has been Josh Schomberger, the um, CEO president of Think Iowa City, and hearing his story about being here now as the head of that group for over 20 years and all the things he's done. So, Josh, thanks a lot. You've made a difference, and hopefully you'll be here 20 more years. I hope so, and, and do me a favor and don't cut this part out. But let me tell you something. If there's somebody that deserves an award for person of the decade and person of the half century, because I know you're old enough to be half century. <laughs> That's true. I do qualify in that you're category. You're Tom. <laughs> Tom, it's you. I mean, <laughs> I, I go back in everything that I've ever done here for 20 years. You've been there. You've either been a part of the group, going back all the way to like the Richard Florida stuff to Cultural Alliance. I mean, you, ha- you have been everywhere. And there's a reason why this show is called, what, My New Best Friend, right? Or yeah, something like that? Friend, yeah. I mean, you have a new best friend every day, and that's just what makes you as, as great as you are. And you, there's nobody, and I'm, I'm in all sincerity, there's nobody that's contributed more to this community in my mind than you over the entire 20 years I've been here, and you've been here far longer than me. Well, I appreciate it. It means, it means a lot. So, it's well, true. thanks a lot, Josh. And um, true. We'll, uh, we'll bring you back in 20 more years. Oh, I hope not. (laughs) I hope I'm on a beach somewhere in the mountains, but we'll see. You never know. Well, thanks a lot. Thank you. Tom's New Best Friend is brought to you by West Bank. This Corridor Business Journal podcast is produced by Joe Coffey of Coffee Grande Studios. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at CB Journal.